Good morning. How are y'all doing today? That was kind of weak. How you really doing? Come on now. <laughs> I know it's kind of gross outside, but at least it's nice in here, huh? And uh, we can't say Merry Christmas, right? Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. How about a little more jovial sounding Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. Because oh, it is that time of year, right? I mean, I think officially we can say it now. Thanksgiving is behind us. We've got twinkling lights, right? We've got Christmas carols, festive sweaters that should never be worn, even at Christmas, quite frankly. Um, and of course, Christmas shopping. Now, quick show of hands, okay? Who here has um, already started their Christmas shopping? Oh, look at you. You guys are incredible, all right? Has anybody finished their Christmas shopping? Oh my goodness, that's incredible. Uh, how many of you are like Christmas shopping? I haven't even thought about it. I don't even do anything until Christmas Eve. <laughs> Thank you, there's a few of you like me, very good. Now see, my problem is not so much uh, procrastination when it comes to Christmas shopping. I think Amazon is pretty much taking care of that for most of us, or she should have by now. Uh, my bigger problem oftentimes is keeping track of what people tell me they want for Christmas. Anybody else? I'm the only person? Okay, thank you for being kind. A couple of you, yeah. Another challenge is that my wife, she's sitting here on the, on the front row, uh, she's not super big on gifts. That's just not like her love language. And she'd rather me, you know, plan, plan a date night or like a weekend away. So sometimes, you know, we'll have uh, something large that we want to buy this time of year leading up to Christmas, and she'll say something like, hey, you know what, let's just make that our gift to each other this year. And in the moment, I'm thinking, hey, that's great. I don't have to, like, come up with something else to give her, right? But then as Christmas Day approaches, you know, the romantic side of me comes out, which doesn't happen very often, but I start to kind of think about how this Christmas spirit, you know, might not be the same. It might get lost if we don't exchange Christmas gifts on Christmas morning. And so then I'm scrambling to find a Christmas gift all over again. But anyway, speaking of getting lost... This new Christmas series, The World Turned Upside Down, is designed to remind us that Christmas is a story of God searching for what is lost and finding it. This new series, The World Turned Upside Down, is designed to remind us that Christmas is a story of God searching for what is lost and finding it. You know, the story of Christmas really is all about the incarnation. And it's about a God who loved us so much that he saw how far we were wandering away from him. And so he took the initiative and came to earth to be with us. You know, Isaiah the prophet said that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, which means God come to be with us. And Jesus himself said that his heaven to earth mission was to seek and to save the lost. I mean, this theme of, 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 of saving the lost really is common throughout Jesus teaching if you take a look at it you know in Luke the doctor and, and uh, historian's account of Jesus teaching at what point Jesus invites a group of people to imagine they are a shepherd with a flock of 100 sheep and one of those sheep goes missing what would the shepherd do he asks Jesus then reminds them of what they already know that a good shepherd would leave the 99 behind and go search for the one missing sheep and when that one sheep is found they would celebrate its return then Jesus goes on to talk about a woman who has 10 coins. Now, each of these coins was worth about a day's wage, all right? And she loses one of these coins. Now, if you lost a coin that was worth a day's wage, you would search high and low to find that coin, right? 
And Jesus rhetorically asked, well, won't she turn on the lights and sweep the house to find the coin? Of course she would. She searches until she finds that coin. And so, yeah, see, there's a meaningful and consistent theme in Jesus' teaching, and it was this. Lost things matter. Say that after me, okay? Lost things matter. Yeah, lost things matter. Therefore, they must be found. And even more so when it comes to people who are lost. Even more so when it comes to people who are lost. You know, one encounter with a man named Zacchaeus, I think, shows just how passionate Jesus was about the mission of reaching the lost. Uh, Zacchaeus lived in a town called Jericho, and he was a tax collector. Actually, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in Jericho. So in a time when Jericho was occupied by the Roman Empire, the people who lived in Jericho, including the Jewish people, were required to pay a ridiculous amount in taxes to the Roman government. Sounds a little bit like Chicago, huh? Am I right? As one who collected taxes, though, you see, Zacchaeus was considered an ally and someone who was working behalf, on behalf of these oppressive forces. So no one likes Zacchaeus. He represented everything that the Jewish people wanted freedom from. Enter Jesus. And as Jesus approaches this town where Zacchaeus lives, news of his arrival precedes him. And I mean, the town is just buzzing with anticipation, all right? I mean, Zacchaeus had heard the news of his arrival and he was so intrigued that he climbs up a tree to get high enough up above the crowd so that he could actually get a good look at Jesus. And when Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was, he looked up, imagine this, and he said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. Now, I love this part of the story because Jesus sees Zacchaeus up in this tree and he stops. He sees him up in the tree and then he stops and he invites himself over for dinner. I mean, what an absolutely unexpected interaction. I mean, Jesus, this well-respected rabbi, is having dinner at the home of Zacchaeus, a hated tax collector. I mean, there were so many reasons these two should not be found together sharing a meal. But despite that, Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus with tremendous enthusiasm. You might say that Jesus found Zacchaeus. You might say that Jesus found Zacchaeus, but, but here's the thing. I doubt that Zacchaeus thought he, Zacchaeus thought he was lost. I doubt that Zacchaeus thought he was lost. Uh, there was a story in the news a while back about a woman who was reported missing during a, a bus tour to a volcanic canyon in Iceland. And the bus driver was responsible to account for everyone who left the bus and returned to the bus. You've probably been on a tour like that. You know where you leave, they're kind of counting up, and then when you come back, they count off to make sure that everybody left, got back. Have you all experienced that before? I think we all have. Okay, after waiting an hour, the bus driver finally notifies the police that a woman was indeed missing. She was lost. So in a matter of moments, a full search party, and rescue and search party, was organized to find her. Teams of volunteers looked everywhere, but the search party was actually called off after about 12 hours when they realized that the lost woman had actually joined the search party. <laughs> True story. I mean, in a case of serious miscommunication, the woman didn't even realize that she was the one they were actually looking for. Can you imagine how embarrassing that must have been for her? But it kind of makes me wonder, 
Go with me for a minute, okay? Is it possible that we, you and I, could be lost also and not even realize it? Is it possible that you and I, we could be lost and not even realize it? Is it possible we might even be in the search party and still be the lost God is looking for? And, and what does it mean to be lost? I mean, what kind of person is Jesus looking for when he said he came to seek and save the lost? I want you to go with there with me for just a few moments this morning, okay? Because for many of us, I think when we hear Christians talking about people being lost, we think of something like this, okay? Just kind of look at these diagrams for just a minute, okay? The Christians are the ones who are found or saved, and oftentimes we think of them as being on the inside of the circle, right? While those who are lost are on the outside, and the circle represents a decision that we make to become a Christian and, and agree to a certain set of beliefs or ideas. Now, this is pretty much what I believed until I was a young adult. And this is what still comes to mind for so many people when they hear Christians talking about the lost. There's some that are in the circle, they are found. There are some that are outside of the circle, they are lost. But, okay, what if this next diagram is actually a more accurate way of thinking about what Jesus had in mind when he came, said he came to seek and save the lost? Maybe the found, okay, are those that are moving closer and closer to Jesus, the cross, right? And those who are moving away from Jesus are the ones who are increasingly lost, I mean, what if the lost is actually a description of anyone, those red figures, anyone who is moving away from the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus? And then if, what if those who are found are the people who are moving toward the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus? I mean, doesn't that change the whole idea of Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost? Are you tracking with me? Doesn't it mean that it's so, don't miss this, it's so much more about the direction of your life than merely a one-time decision? Let me say that again. Doesn't that mean that this is much, much more about the direction, the trajectory of your life than it is actually a one-time decision? See, I believe that's what we see in the story of Zacchaeus. You see, Zacchaeus was lost because he was not moving closer to the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus. And so Jesus sought him out and reoriented his entire life. And Zacchaeus demonstrates this radical reorientation when he stands up at the dinner table and announces, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And that four times the amount, I mean, that was way beyond what was required by law for repayment at that time. Way beyond it. He didn't have to give back that much. Bible scholar Craig Keener describes his sudden change of heart in this way. He says, in ancient accounts of discipleship, a radical response with possessions was a certain sign of newly acquired devotion to the teacher. This is true repentance. A total reversal in the trajectory of his life. Before he was moving away from Jesus, right? And now what? Now he's moving closer to Jesus. He even calls him Lord. And Jesus confirms this when he says to him, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. When he says he's a son of Abraham, that basically means he's one who is now walking by faith for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus sees the change in Zacchaeus and based on his new trajectory, the new trajectory of his life, he declared that he had led his family to salvation. He is now a Christ follower. He was lost, now he's found. You see, lost 
can actually be a descriptor of anyone who is moving away from the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus. Loss can be a descriptor of anyone who is moving away from the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus. Maybe you can think of people who are lost. It, it might be a neighbor, or a family member, or a coworker, a friend who's far from God, and, and they, they need to find their way back to God, and you want them to find their way back to God, because like Jesus, lost people matter to you. Or I don't know, maybe you're listening to this and you're, you're thinking, I'm spiritually lost. And, and like Zacchaeus, you're curious about what it would look like for you to find your way back to God. And let me tell you, I'm so glad you're here. You couldn't be in a better place to find your way back to God than right here today, right now. Or I have a hunch that some of us might be thinking, you know, I've said for a long time that I believe Jesus is who he said he was. I've punched my ticket to heaven, but that's not what we're talking about, is it here? And when you look at the direction of your life, you would have to say, I'm not really moving closer to Jesus. So do you see, there are lots of ways we can be lost. And some of us are lost and we know it. Others of us are lost and I don't think we even know it. But the truth is we are lost any time we are moving away from the person, priorities, and practices of Jesus. Make sense? Ah, but there's good news. <laughs> good news for all of us. Jesus wants us to be found. He wants to find us. And you know what? Christmas, I love this time of year, Christmas is all about God showing up in Jesus to make sure all who are lost can be found. But don't make any mistake about it. Being found is all about moving closer and closer to Jesus. Being found is all about moving closer and closer to Jesus. And it begins with the declaration that you want to draw close to the person of Jesus. And you know what? One way that happens is when we are baptized. Lizzie mentioned it. The trough is here not for decoration today. We actually have three people, at least three people that are going to be baptized today. And if you haven't done it, I just want to challenge you to do it. Today, actually, we are truthfully ready for you. We have extra shorts, shirts, towels, undergarments. We're even going to film it so you can show it to people that aren't here that you might want to see it. But you know, baptism is a clear way to say, I want to draw close to Jesus. A clear way to say, I want to draw close to Jesus. And we also declare we want to draw close to Jesus every week. And we do this every week here. We'll do this in a little while when we celebrate communion. It's another declaration. Hey, I am drawing closer to Jesus. I, that is the trajectory of my life. So it starts with a declaration that you want to follow Jesus, the person of Jesus. But moving closer to Jesus also means that you make his priority your priorities. And when Jesus prays, God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's your prayer. That is your priority. And finally, every day you put into practice what Jesus practiced, loving others, blessing the people around you, taking a Sabbath, spending time with God in prayer and reflection, being generous. You practice what? Jesus practicing. This is what it means to truly follow Jesus. Uh, remember the stories that I told earlier? The shepherd who leaves the 99 in search of the one, the woman who had the lost coin that she went looking for, well, the third story that Jesus tells in that same chapter is about a man who had two sons. And the younger son told his father that he was ready to leave home and he asked for his inheritance early. That was a complete shaming of the father to do that. 
completely unacceptable in that culture to ask for your inheritance early. But the father gives the inheritance to the son anyway. And the son sets off for a distant country and squanders every penny of it. Scripture actually says that he blew his wealth on wild living. Let your imaginations fill in the blanks. And he ends up broke and alone and he has a job feeding pigs and he becomes so hungry and so poor, he wants to eat the very food that he's feeding the pigs. And at his lowest of lows, he remembers that even his father's servants have real meals to eat. And so he decides to what? To return home, hoping that somehow maybe his father would take him back as a servant. And then while he's a long ways off, his father sees him, which tells us what? His father was waiting for him, right? Looking for him. And I love this part of the story because the father runs out to his son, which was also unheard of in that day. That was way too undignified for a father to do. And he throws his arms around his son, covers him with hugs and kisses. Well, the son had a speech all prepared to apologize and to, you know, make his case. But he only gets partway through his speech because the father says this. His father says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, I don't know each one of you personally. And so I don't know maybe what you've done or what you've not done that may have you feeling lost today. But I want you to know something. That right there, that is our God. Right? Don't miss this. A God who runs out to greet us when we choose to come back to him. And let me tell you something else. It is never too late for you to come back to God. It is never too late for you to return home. You can always come home. I recently heard an amazing story from an episode of This American Life, the podcast. And they told a story about a marketing executive named Miguel Sokoloff. He was a Colombian. Uh, his native country of Colombia had been at war for over 50 years, resulting in 220,000 deaths and causing more than 5 million people to be displaced. Absolutely tragic. Uh, the government of Colombia approached Sokolov with an interesting opportunity. They wanted him to run a marketing campaign to convince leftist guerrillas to demobilize, to quit fighting, to reenter society, essentially to come back home. And so in December of 2010, Sokolov ran an ad campaign called Operation Christmas. Fascinating stuff. At nine strategic places in the jungle where the rebels were known to travel, they strung hundreds of Christmas lights on 75-foot-tall trees. Imagine that in the jungle, Christmas lights on 75-foot-tall trees. And when the rebels walked by, a motion detector set off the lights and a recorded message started playing, if Christmas can come to the jungle, then you can come home. That would probably startle you a little bit first, wouldn't it? <laughs> But amazingly, uh, several hundred rebels put down their guns and they returned home. And the next year, they ran a similar campaign titled Operation Rivers of Light and the firm filled, check this out, over 7,000 translucent plastic balls with small gifts and heartwarming notes inviting the rebels to come home and place them in the river. The rebels traveling by the river saw the balls floating down the river. They couldn't help themselves. They opened them up. They took the gifts, read the notes, and again, more rebels quit fighting and returned home. And then finally in 2012, the ad agency ran Operation Bethlehem. And this time they, they, sh they shined huge skylights up into the dark night sky and ran this message. This Christmas, 
Follow the light that will guide you to your family and your freedom. And even more rebels stopped fighting and came home. But folks, see, that, that's kind of what Christmas really is. It's like this massive sort of ad campaign that God started 2,000 years ago. And every year since, he continues to say to any one of us who are lost, come home. Come home. You know, our mission here at Community is finding your way back to God. And we talk about the fact that finding your way back to God is a life-changing moment, but it's also an ongoing, life-going process. And sure, there's going to be moments and maybe days, even weeks, even months, maybe years where we kind of veer off the path and we'd say, yeah, you know what? My trajectory is not leading me closer to Jesus. But thankfully, because of the grace of God in Jesus, we can come back to him any time we want to.